This is the Stacking Days podcast, the podcast about the healing experience of recovery for people of color by people of color. This show is for the purpose of education and connection and is not a replacement for therapy or recovery care. We suggest you seek out the support of a trained professional for guidance with your specific circumstance. I'm your host, Ray Donovan, and I've been alcohol-free since September 2021. Welcome to the show. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Welcome back to the Stacking Days podcast. Um, your host, Ray Donovan here. You know, this is an interesting episode. And, and as you all know, for those who've been listening to the Stacking Days podcast, it's a, it's a relatively young project, right? So, you know, we're only, you know, a handful of episodes in here. But I wanted to do something a little bit differently uh, today for, for a couple different reasons. Uh, number one, uh, for those of you who don't know, April is Sexual Assault and, and Awareness Month. So I wanted to call that out only from the standpoint where, you know, we talk a lot about healing. We talk a lot about growth um, on the Stack and Days podcast. And I think that this is a this is one avenue and one, um, you know, one aspect that particularly for, you know, communities of color, we oftentimes don't really talk a lot about um, openly. Um, so I wanted to take an opportunity to use this platform to speak a little bit about that. And then, yes, in addition to that, we're also going to be talking about how alcohol played a role in that. Um, you know, and then secondly, my guest today uh, is, is one of the first folks who actually reached out to me to actually come on the show proactively and share his story. And I never want to be in a position where I mute anybody from, you know, from being able to share their experience in the world particularly as it relates to them pursuing healing, uh, as to them pursuing uh, well-being, and especially if on the other side of, you know, of their traumas, they're able to bring light to the world. So the brother that we have on today, uh, Darnell Rice, we have uh, with us, um, he is the, uh, the founder and program director of Embrace Elevate, and I'll have him tell you a little bit more about this. And because this is a little bit of an, an, an unconventional episode, we're going to play it by, by ear here and we're going to have an organic conversation. So without further ado, uh, let me introduce and bring Darnell to the, to the mic. Darnell, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Ray. Guys, I want to, I want to tell you something. Think about a little boy. Who's going to cry for me? That little boy inside of me. Who's going to cry for me when I'm battered and bruised? Who's going to cry for me when I don't see any days? Who's going to cry for me when I need to stand up? Guys, I'm Darnell Rice. And like you said, I'm the founder and program director for Embrace. It is a survivor-led program where we tackle sexual violence and rape, but we also tackle unhealthy and healthy relationships as it relates to black boys, black men, and their families. Because believe it or not, we need to have a platform and a voice. It all started back in 2019 when I was sitting in my trailer and I was crying out to the creator, and I said, listen, I need help. And I didn't know what to do. I can remember a couple of people that I talked to that were like, hey, you have a story. You have something to bring to the world. And I was able to really get on stage and tell my story. I was the only black man on stage to tell a story. That took a lot of courage. So I've been on this healing journey for some time now. And that's why Embrace was born. Embrace wasn't born out of my childhood trauma. Well, I appreciate that, Darnell. Um, you know, we're going to get obviously much, much further into into that that founding story, that origin story. And then also, you know, one of the things that I think is important to highlight for the purposes of back in days is how alcohol played a role in your story, even though you weren't directly struggling 
from a, you know an addiction or a substance use disorder yourself, there are some very very prevalent aspects of how addiction and some and and others addiction around you played into your own trauma. So maybe for the next little bit, if you can rewind it all the way back and give folks a sense of what is Darnell's story, what is that little boy's story of trauma, and also in that, how did alcohol play a role in 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 you know in in your trauma from a young, from a young age? So. When I, when I think back at, at childhood, I think back at inception when I was in my mother's womb and my mother and father were in, in a domestic violence relationship. And so my, my father had passed away at the age of four. And so I remember when I was sitting on his lap and he said, you know, son, I'm sorry for not being here for you. And then he turned to my mom and said, please don't give my son to the streets. I didn't really understand as a little boy what was going on. But at that point, I remember that my father was getting ready to die, you know. And so fast forward a little bit and, and then here comes my mom and my mom met this this guy that she fell in love with, thought that he was he was God's gift. But mm. he struggled with addiction, alcohol. And I remember times where he would get he would get intoxicated so bad to where he would lash out violently against my mother and myself. And so. I would get beatings all the time, like all the time. It, it could be he'd come in from work and he would just he would just beat on me and my mom. And this went over a period of years. So just imagine him, you know, dealing with his own trauma. You know, I don't know what his childhood was like, but I know one thing that he he struggled really bad with with alcohol. And so mm. I would have to just cover myself. I would have to make sure that my mom was okay. And, and I had to endure a lot of abuse. And so, you know, as I got older and stuff like that, I really realized that, you know, addictions are tied to childhood trauma. Hmm. Yeah. No, I mean that, that, I mean, clearly, I mean, that's, that's part of your story, right? I mean, there, you can't, you can't dispute that, that addiction can definitely be a part of someone's childhood trauma. I, 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 how long, if you don't, if you don't mind, and I don't want to spend too much time in this space. I know this is your work and you talk about this often. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, run the risk of triggering anyone who might be, you know, listening to the podcast either. Right. But how long did, did this go on for you? Um, you know, as, as a youth, it, it went on for, let's see, uh, I'll say about close to five years. Um, hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was very triggering, man. It was very, uh, very chaotic, very toxic environment. You know, losing my father was really a pivotal point in my life. Yeah. And so basically my mom in, in tell, you know, put this man above her children. Now, now, now she wasn't married to now, but it was a point of he was, he was God. And so yeah. he, he literally, when I tell you, I used to crawl up in a, in a ball and I used to be in my bed and I said, you know, he isn't there. He isn't there over and over and over again because I didn't want to be beaten severely. And I used to get severe beatings. Now, is, is this individual, did he also sexually abuse no, you or was it primarily no, physical no, it abuse? Was primarily physical, emotional and mental abuse. Okay. And I got enough courage as a, as a young man at eight. And I, I had my Louisville slugger. I'm a baseball fan. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So, and I told him, I said, "You touch my mama one more time, I'm gonna kill you." Mm. And he and, and, and he never and he and he was like, "No, nah, he was scared." 
I was like, yeah, because I hadn't got enough courage yeah. because I was tired of, of my mom getting abused and I was tired of getting beaten, man. I would get beaten so bad to where I would have whips. I would, yeah, it was, it was bad. I was going to school with whips and everything. Man. Like, man, yeah. That sounds like a, you know, a, a horrible reality to have to experience, you know, as someone, you know, who is, you know, just developing and trying to find, you know, their early place in life. So, you know, hard to hear for sure. I mean, especially, you know, me being, you know, a parent and, you know, and I were, we're talking a little bit about this before, you know, the call, you know, imagining, you know, my son who's, you know, about to be five now being in a circumstance where, you know, that could be his reality is, 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 is gut wrenching to, to hear, honestly. Um, so I'm sorry that you had to experience that at, a, at such a young age. Um, let's, let's fast forward in your story and let's, let, you know, continue to, to, to give us a sense of, you know, where you are coming from and what has brought you here to today. So, you know, um, like I said, Embrace was born in, in my, in my trailer. Mm-hmm. I was working a dead end job. I was working at Avis budget and I just sat in my, my room and I, I just cried out. I want someone to hear my story, hear my truth. And at that moment, I had started dealing with a lot of different issues in my life. You know, I don't really talk about it, but as far as like relationships, marriages, um, not loving myself um, because I didn't have a mother's love. I didn't have a father's Mm -hmm. love. I had father wounds, man. It's real. But I did have a grandmother's love. Mm -hmm. And she really taught me love, support, compassion. She was my biggest supporter. And um, God rest her soul. I just lost her two years. It'd be two years coming up in, uh, well, it was two years, February 21st of this year. And so, sorry, yeah, man, she, she's God. Yeah, she, she good, bro. I'm just living out her legacy. So with embrace, I knew embrace had to be born because I didn't want a little boy that's inside of me or the little boy, the little boys and girls that I see on an everyday basis not have to go through the turmoil and pain that I went through as a child. Imagining your son, five or six years old, going through that and then not having an opportunity to grow and have his his childhood years. I never had a childhood. Mm. So, I mean, so, I mean, how did you, how did you, so I, I, I understand the inception of Embrace, but I would imagine that even before Embrace, you had to start embracing your own growth and your own healing. Yeah. How did you how did you enter into that space to start healing yourself from a lot of the trauma that you experienced, ultimately then to also maybe pass those tools on to other folks, you know, and other, you know, young people mm-hmm. who potentially are, are suffering from their own traumas? So this will happen. I, I remember um, I was working, like I said, working at Avis Budget. I was actually in my master's degree program. I, you know, okay. I lost everything. You know, um, I rode the bus. I walked. Now, this is in my master's program, and um, I remember going into an event with a classmate. His name is Tim. God bless Tim. Uh, and he said, I want you to go to this barbecue with me. So I met I met one of my one of my mentors and, and colleagues, and he runs an organization, and that's my full time. And so uh, he was like, I want you to come work for me. And I can remember, you know, he, he believing in me. He said, man, let's talk. And I, I told him my story. He said, man, you got a powerful story. And uh, Lorenzo Lewis, that's his name the confessed project of America, he was able to take me in and he was able to, to help me develop and grow and start the healing process because I needed an organization that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And so 
he was able to, he saw the need. He saw, he saw my purpose and he saw like, man, this brother's working hard. This brother's a good brother. I need him. And so I remember going on the road with him and I just started crying out. And I was like, man, I need, and he said, Darnell, you need to, you know, you need to heal. Maybe go, go to therapy. Maybe, maybe go, you know. And I started to really recognize that I had, I had an initiative inside of me. And so that's why, and that's how our embrace came about because my mother was sexually assaulted at 12 and I was sexually assaulted at six. So it was generational. And so I knew then that I had something special and I knew that I had to, I had to because not because of me, but for generations that are going after me and before me. And even men that I talked to 30, 40, 50 years old that have not even expressed any type of to say, hey, I have been that child. I have been that young adult that has has been violated as, you know, because we as men, we don't, it's taboo. We don't talk about it. But Embrace yeah. is here to give survivors that platform, especially men and boys to say, hey, you can start the process. You can, you, you, you this is your vulnerable space. This is your space. You don't have to feel like, you don't have to say, oh, I'm not a man. I am a man. Hmm. How often, I mean, it's amazing to think about where you have men who've almost lived their entire lives, but, you know, are essentially shut off from wanting to confront this pain, right? Mm -hmm. That is, uh, is, you know, so prevalent in the back of their minds, you know, that they're, that they just don't even know how to, to attack healing on. Do you find, I mean, and and this is out of my own curiosity, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and only because I've read that oftentimes, you know, folks who have mental health issues, obviously, um, you know, are, are susceptible to, to, to addictions, substance mm-hmm. use, you know, in our community, you know, particularly for black men who are struggling from, you know, trying to reconcile their own, the, the abuse that has been put on them. Do you often find that, that, that these men are, you know, find themselves self-medicating, you know, through alcohol to be able to deal with some of the pain that they've experienced in their lives? Certainly, 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 definitely. I, I, I really, I really feel that and I see it and I hear it because at the end of the day, we all have our concerns and it just, it just, it, we, we do self-medicate. That's what a lot of survivors of any type of trauma self-medicate to, to ease the pain and think and say, oh, it's going to go away. No, we got to really do some internal healing. But sometimes you got to recognize that by people that you love to say, hey, hey, I I need for you to heal because there's people that need to hear from you. You're on this purpose. You're on this purpose walk. You're on this journey of purposeful work and walk. You know, I have a niche, but at the same time, I have a purpose and I'm living out my purpose because. It's people that need to hear from me and my journey yeah. and my healing is every day. It's every day. I still get triggers, but I, but I have tools available so I can understand. Okay. I have this trigger, but guess what? I know how to diffuse the trigger and I know how to move beyond the trigger. Well, I'm interested. Let's, let's talk about, you know, your toolkit, right? Because I think that, you know, even though this podcast is about, you know, substance use mm-hmm. disorders and alcoholism and, and addiction, there are probably some real valuable tools that you use in trying to, in combating, you know, your residual traumas that can be applied really to anybody who's trying to step into a brighter light. 
So, you know, maybe you can share with, you know, with the <clears throat> listeners a little bit about what are some of those tools that you turn to in order to diffuse the triggers, in order to step into um, your healing? So, well, first off is is uh, is meditation, mm. five to 10 minute meditation before you even start your day, you know, really taking the time to really soak in your your environment, your presence, no TV, no phone, just meditation, deep breaths, meditating. It takes time. I know some people that meditate 15, 20, 30 minutes. But when you're starting out, starting out meditating, really sitting down in the moment, really taking it in. Don't don't be worried about what's around you. Make sure you're in a safe place. But meditation is key. Mm -hmm. Number two, affirmations, speaking positive affirmations over yourself, over your life, tuning out the noise, not specifically looking at what's bad in your life, focusing on what's good in your life, speaking to the universe of, okay, I am great. I am healing. I am restoration. I am beautiful. I am handsome. Speaking those positive affirmations over yourself daily. And this could be five, maybe five minutes. What I do is I, um, I do positive affirmations each day. And I also do, I also journal too every day too mm-hmm. and reflect on my day because it's good to really use that as a tool to where Sometimes we just need to write it out out. of our heads. Yeah. Number three, boundaries, setting boundaries with yourself, with yourself and your family members or friends. That's hard because we as men, we run so much. We we take care of everybody else, but we got to take care of ourselves first. You're a father. You got to take care of yourself first. Then you'll be able to take care of your children and your wife. We don't do that. Self-care. Number four. Doing something, and I'm not talking about going get no beer, nothing like that. I'm just saying, I'm, what I'm saying is really take do something for yourself. Whether it's taking in a movie, whether it's going to get you, you know, going to going to eat, going to get you your favorite meal, or going to get you some ice cream. You know, buying yourself something, really honoring yourself. Because we as men, we don't honor ourselves. We don't get pedicures, we don't get manicures, we don't take care. Of, no, you got get a haircut. You know. Take care of yourself. I mean, because at the end of the day, we as men have so much pressure on us that we got to take care of ourselves. We got to be here because we have a we have a mission. We have an obligation. We have people that we need to reach. And if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be man. We'll, we'll, we'll have an early death. Right? And that's just real. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, when you change the, the focus and the lens and, and, and put it on yourself, you know, because. As to as you said, you know, if you're not able to to better yourself, you know, you're not going to be good to anybody that's around you. Um, you know, and I think that the similarity here. I mean, you talk about meditation, you talk about affirmations, journaling, boundaries, self care. Those are all the same things that you know that depending on who you are can also be part of your toolkit. You know, if you happen to be struggling with with substance use, because a lot of times, you know, folks who who resort mm-hmm. to substances that we already talked about do so because of some sort of trauma do so because you know they've they, there's a, a little person kind of trapped inside that is was never nurtured so how do you then oh, go ahead and reparent yourself and you know and nurture yourself in in your adult age so that you can you know live that that life of, of truth that you know mm-hmm. we all want to you know we sometimes just don't give ourselves the license to be able to do so yeah and not only that too all right you think about you know your toolkit but also remembering that it's okay not to be okay right 
do I have tens every day? No, I don't. But I have each each day that I live is an opportunity to be better than I was yesterday. And as a survivor, right. Right. I take that each and every day. I may not be a ten every day, but I'm a, I'm a survivor. I'm a champion. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim because I had to speak to the little boy and tell him it's okay. You can rest now. I love that, man. I mean, it takes a certain degree of like self truth to be able to step into that, right? And and say, you know. I'm going to release you from the pain as best as I can in my, mm-hmm. in my, mat- my yes. more mature years. Right. Talk to me about embrace and a lot of the work that you're doing now. I am very curious about, you know, the black boys, the black men. And I, and I know that you also work with a lot of women of color, you know, as well, who are, who are survivors in their own right. Can you just kind of give us a sense of what, what work you're up to today and, 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 and what you're seeing in our community as it relates to surviving, you know, sexual traumas, generational traumas of that nature? Because I think it's important to also highlight similar to, you know, what we talk about on this show in there not really being a, a, a safe space um, for representation, you know, of, you know, people of color as it relates to, you know, struggles with the substance. It sounds to me that that's also very prevalent, um, you know, in in your world as well. So I'd love to hear a lot more about the work that you do in order to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, push that 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 stigma to the side and make people feel comfortable to step into their light. So, you know, what we typically do at Embrace is, you know, we're we're a survivor led program. And what we do is we, we utilize storytelling as a way to connect with with our audience. We also use, you know, presentations and workshops. Uh, the presentations that we do is uh, consent, speak up and speak out. And then mm-hmm. we have a we have also a prevention, advocacy and stigma presentation as well. And we also have a clergy component to where we talk about beyond the veil, sacred, sacred betrayal. Where we talk about how parishioners can really effectively help their parishioners as it relates to trauma in regards to sexual trauma as well. But to make sure that the clergy understands of how to stay out of scandal. Mm. And so, you know, as we work, we work with survivors. Our biggest thing is how does healing happen? So we talk about triggers. We talk about mental health. We talk about uh, mental health one-on-one. We talk about, you know, uh, the different therapies. We talk about consent of, you know, what does consent look like? Because a lot of con- what consent looks like to me doesn't look the same in, in my counterparts mm. community. Because a lot of our young people, a lot of our men, our women, they don't understand and don't know the importance and the power, the powerfulness of consent, of saying consent is a yes or no. It's not no. Yeah, no. It's a yes or no. It's clear cut. Both parties have to be in agreement. So typically that's how we measure our impact by pre and post test. But we do testimonials. But we really, we really honor the survivors in the space, making sure that they have a voice, but making sure there's no give them something that they need. Embrace basically speaks to the community and then until the community will tell embrace what they need. And basically we're a resource too. We offer, we're connected to resources. So say for instance, like in Little Rock, we have a lot of agencies. I can't do everything. I can't. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not my job. But what I can do is offer, you know, support services like, OK, I, if I have someone that's that's needing housing or needing, um, you know, utility assistance, I can 
I can point them in the right direction and say, hey, I got somebody over in with utility assistance or um, someone that has um, that may need some assistance in housing. I got organizations that that do that as well. So I got like a list of resources as well too, like a resource list. And then of course we have the national resources such as RAIN, the National Sexual Assault uh, Hotline, but, but Embrace is a resource as well too. We have a, a Embrace You support group for our survivors as well. That's men and women. So, um, you know, as far as, you know, they, that's a safe space too as well. Um, and so we utilize community, other community like-minded organizations to say, Hey, how can we partner together? How can we, how can I help you help me? Basically, it's mm-hmm. not, a, it's not a one, one size fits all. It's a, okay, how can I be a service to you? But also just make sure that you have these different resources. Because when I was in my recovery, I was not able to really focus on my trauma because I couldn't have my five basic needs. I was working a dead end job. I was making nine twenty five an hour. So I'm not worried about my mental health. I'm not even worried about healing from my sexual trauma because I was not able to. I was not. I didn't have the capacity to do that, to really heal and really say, you know what? I need to really heal and take it really seriously like I need to. But it took a vehicle. It took someone saying, you know what, Darnell, here you are. Here's where you want to go. You, you got this opportunity. Because I never thought that I would, that God would give me embrace. I never thought it, but he, he saw fit for me to, to, you know, to definitely found this organization, you know, and say, Hey, I'm giving it to you. So I tell people, you know, when God gives you something, you cultivate it, you, you honor it and you give it to the world. It's a lot of organizations that are doing great work. I can only focus on embrace and do what Embrace is here to do. And that's to provide a beacon of hope to the people, but also be here as a support system. I, I, I love that you you made that that call out that it was very difficult for you to pursue your own healing because you didn't have your basic needs met, right? Like I feel like particularly in you know communities of color, we spend so much time just trying to make ends meet and you know and and make sure that our basic needs are met. That oftentimes all the even those things that we were talking about before self like all the self care all of that is not even in consideration because it's just not the priority. The priority is how am I going to keep a roof over my head? How am I going to put you know food on the table? How am I going to make sure that my kids are taken care? You know all of those things. So I, I appreciate you making that 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 um that distinction because I think that that runs true for for many struggles you know, within, you know, the, you know, the, the, the communities of, of color is, you know, trying to just take care of those basic necessities first before even pursuing, you know, anything else. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I think back on my journey, man, like I went from making nine twenty five an hour. I was also working prison system as a college professor and, and, and getting a, getting a car for a dollar, you know, and, and just making a turnaround because I knew, the purpose that was on my mm-hmm. life, you know, and I knew, I knew, I, I knew, I said, I got something special, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you something. So embrace acronym is, is elevate motivation, believe, redemption, acceptance, courage, and empower. That's our acronym for embrace. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see my shirt, but my shirt, I got you. the A is my mother. Her favorite color was red, but you don't see the halo. I can but see it. She, yeah, she got her wings, That's man. Awesome. 
So, so basically it's in honor of her as well too, because she, she, she didn't get a chance to heal. Mm. The little girl inside of her didn't get a chance to heal. And so it's so important that as we go through our life, especially with embrace, embrace really honors the little boy and little girl. I mean, I, I, I love that man. And, and, you know, just love what you're doing. I wanted, I wanted to ask you about the word like about shame. Um, okay. Right. And yeah. the reason why I want to, I want to bring up shame is because I think that's one of those, also one of those universal, you know, unifying um, kind of words that a lot of folks who are, who are in a struggle can prescribe their struggle to, or at least not wanting to be vocal about their struggle because there is that degree of shame. Right. I, I know that's true for people who suffer in, you know, substance use addiction. I'm sure that that's also true for people who are struggling with their, you know, sexual abuse traumas that they've experienced Mm -hmm. and sharing those stories. And in my own experience, and you, and you might be able to attest to this as well, is that there's a huge weight that is lifted from one's shoulder when you're able to be outwardly expressive about what has happened to you or what, or how you have been living your life, um, thus far. I mean, it's, it was, it's been part of my journey, right. And just being vulnerable and expressive. So I am curious, you know, in your work, how do you, um, support folks in crossing that threshold of vulnerability so that they can encounter and fight that shame that's been holding them back in being, um, in, in, in pursuing their, their, their own healing. Cause I mean, it's one thing to have like the venue, right. But it's another thing to be able to embrace the venue and embrace the opportunity and be vocal about some of the darker aspects that you, that you, that you know, that you maybe have been keeping secret in, in a lot uh-huh. of ways from uh-huh. people who are you're close to and, you know, folks that are around you. So how do you, how do you coach people and, and, and bring them along that journey so that shame plays a smaller part in their life than maybe it once did? Well, well first of all, I just let, I let them know that, that embraces is a brave space, a brave space that I honor them in the space that is confidence. That is confidentiality. Like if you're not ready to share, it's okay. But letting them know that, you know, you have an opportunity to express yourself in a healthy, positive way, but not pressuring them to share, but always letting them know, like, you know, we have to start the healing process with you. And that's where I had to come. I had to come to a, a really a, a medium and say, you know what? Um, I think about Antoine Fisher. That's my life, man. I used to couldn't watch that movie, man. I would boohoo and cry because I still was dealing with trauma. And so I, I always make sure that survivors are valued, appreciated and loved and heard. But just letting them know that, you know, you can share, but you also can can share and, and have that opportunity of of love. Because, I mean, when you think about sexual trauma, man, it is a shame behind it, especially being a, a man. We don't talk about that. Right. But at the same time, I was vulnerable enough to be be the new sexy to say, hey, I'm going to step out on faith and I don't really care what people say. I had to get to a point of letting people understand and know, like, who cares? I'm somebody else's hope in the day. And that's how I had to look at it because I knew just by my story, I have an audience. I have a voice. I have a mantle. And that's why I go 
I go so, you know, so diligent, so purposeful with embrace because just think about if I had embraced when I was a kid. Or even knew that it existed or people were out there struggling with a lot of things stuff you were. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, that brain. And then I think about my father. I don't touch on my father, but my I believe my father had mm-hmm. some type of trauma too. Just found out my aunt did too. She had some trauma as well. So it's it, yeah. it can be generational, but I'm a curse breaker. When, when I think about breaking a curse, that means that I'm going to break the curse and I'm going to do something differently. No, that makes that makes sense. I mean, when you talk about you know the the generational trauma, I think the challenge when it, in generational trauma specifically in communities of color is that oftentimes you 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 absorb that trauma and you didn't even know it existed for the generation before you. So like you're talking about you know how you just found out that you know that your aunt was also you know is also a survivor mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. of of of, mm-hmm. of abuse, right? I mean, I don't know how old your aunt is. Man, 70, 70, 70 plus, man. Right. So, I mean, she spent her almost her, you know, left her whole life with not expressing that. Now, did she express that because you started to become vocal in your own journey? No, I just, I, I found this out by, by another family member and stuff like that and, and, and everything. And so I was like, wow. You know, mm-hmm. so I really, it really got me to thinking that, you know, my father had been, you know, and maybe not involved, but maybe had some type of trauma that was was done to him. So it's just I've been uncovering a lot of stuff on my daddy's side of the family. And so yeah. just all that trauma. And so even on my mama's side, you know, it's just like, wow, all this trauma. And then it's like, OK, you have to start somewhere. And I tell any anybody that's going to be listening, just remember that healing is every day. Healing has to be uncomfortable. Healing has to start with you, but just remember that you that you are not a damaged good. Yeah, I think that you know, that's a, a message that I'm sure someone listening can hear, right, and needs to hear, regardless of what your struggle is. Because we are talking about healing, so I appreciate you making that that call out. Um, I want to ask you, you know, I, and I always have you know a few questions as we kind of start to to wrap up here, but and usually when I ask these questions again. By nature of you know of of stacking days podcast, it usually revolves around alcohol. But I think that what we're talking about is is healing, right? And we're talking about well being, and and I think that it, it kind of transcends across you know across communities of color. That oftentimes you know it's almost too late when we find out that somebody has been struggling with something, you know, and you know, do they prematurely, you know, are they taking their own lives? We see that time and time again in our communities, right? right? for the pain that they're trying to uh, trying to address and haven't figured avenues out for it. I am curious for you, and maybe this is around the time where you met Lorenzo and, and, and you have a, you know, have a, a really great answer for this, but how would folks who are on the outside looking in at Darnell known that you were struggling with something at the time when you were struggling with it, and maybe you weren't verbal as verbal as you are today about some of your past struggles, how would they have known to be, to be, there and to be supportive of you. Well, it just all goes back to just, you know, picking up the body language, the body mm-hmm. cues, you know, you can, you, if you around someone long enough and you know them and you, you know, you know, you honor them, you know what, what they, what's going on. This is like, think about it. If you've been around me and you know, I'm a guy, I'm always laughing, talking, you know, you know, all of a sudden now my whole, my whole kindness and my face has changed. 
yeah, something's, yeah, some, something's going on, you mm-hmm. know? And so it was just a matter of me really opening up and really just understanding like, man, I, I really do need to heal. I really do need to focus on my healing journey because I knew the assignments. This is an assignment, yeah. man. This is, this is embraces my assignment for the people, man. I love that. I love that. In honor of sexual assault and awareness month and in honor of survivors who are listening and who may listen, you know, years down the line, because this podcast will, will live on, you know, hopefully long, long after you and I are gone. What would you suggest for someone who is sitting there in their darker moments and, you know, they want to pursue healing. They want to take the first steps in addressing, you know, their traumas. What would you suggest to that person who just doesn't know the direction to go? You know, that little black boy, that little black girl, like what would you say to them in bringing them into a space where they can start pursuing their own healing? You know, I would let them know that embrace cares, letting them know it's, it's a, it's somebody that truly wants to see you heal. You, it has to be someone that you love and that you support, or maybe even a stranger that can help you say, you know what? I see the little boy. I see the little girl inside of you. It's time to rest now. It's time to start the healing process. Just really letting them know, like, the world is not ending. It's just beginning. Well, I think you're, you're definitely a great example of that, right? And I think that the more opportunity you have to share your message, um, you know, it's only going to help people, which is why I wanted to have you on. I really do appreciate it. Darnell, let us know where uh, where folks can find you, where they can find uh, where you can find the work that you're doing. Man, I'm I'm gonna tell you, man. Hey, you can. Hey, everybody, go to www.embraceelevate.com. Follow me on Instagram, embrace underscore elevate. Also, make sure you follow me on Facebook as well. Also, embrace you as a support group for survivors and just. Anybody, if you want to uh, definitely stay connected with me, you know, definitely connect with me on, on my website. You can go to you can also connect with me at embrace elevate 44 at gmail.com. And if you know of any organizations that would love to talk about, you know, healing, talk about consent, uh, also do speaking engagements and also work with high schools, middle schools, organizations. I even work with corporate organizations, too, as well. Well, look, Darnell. I appreciate the the conversation, man. I know it's been you know some time. We've been trying to get it get it on here and get it in the making. But thank you, brother, for for joining us. And you know, I think that you know, just I'll make sure that the resources that you mentioned are in the show notes. So if there is anybody who happens to to watch or listen to the episode, rather, um, you know, and they're looking for resources and they're ready to kind of step in a new direction as it as it relates to some of this, you know, this trauma that, you know, there's something there that they can latch on to. And I think that that's, it's always great to give, you know, individuals a starting point, right? It may not be the end point, but at least they have a starting point. And uh, so I, I'm glad that you've been able to join us to share that with, uh, with the, with the listeners. Well, thank you, Ray, for, for having me. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy stacking days, man. This is, this is, this you're going to, you're going to be worldwide one of these days, brother. <laughs> Well, look, we'll take it one day at a time, like so many other things that we do right, in life, right? Right. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it. We obviously will stay connected. And uh, and thanks again for your time, man. Awesome. Cool. You too. Thank you for listening to the Stackin' Days podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, email me at rdg at stackin'days.com or follow us on Instagram at stackin'days. 
If you like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and by all means, share it with a friend who you think needs to be invited into the conversation. Until we meet again, be well, one day at a time. Thank you.